All right, so two guys walk into a bar, and uh, the first one says, he goes up to the barkeep, and he says, hey, barkeep, let me get some H2O. And then the other guy walks up, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let me get some H2O, too. And uh, the second guy died. Hi, everybody. C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like that second guy, just just dead. Um <laughs> Today, uh, I wanted to talk about DIKW, Data Information Knowledge and Wisdom. It is a um, a model to kind of help understand how information, wisdom, and data and all that stuff works. Um, however, we're not really just talking about the model today. There's going to be a future episode where I break up down the model specifically to break down what it means, what it's for, and all of that stuff. But I want to talk about it specifically today about navigating through the INTP experience. And if you are not an INTP or you don't know an INTP in your life, you still should listen to this because it could help you understand how you could think about emotional experiences and data-driven experiences and how you can develop as a person using this type of model. So I'm going to be using a lot of language that fits cognitive functions and Myers-Briggs and all of that stuff in this episode. But, um, you know, hang tight. I think it's really useful and really interesting. And, uh, stuff that you could use to, again, sort of relate it to your own personal experience. Um, if it's too much, it's a lot, that's fine. Let's wait for the next episode. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode or the next few, but um, soon enough, I will do a DIKW-related episode specifically to talk about and break down what this thing is and all of that stuff. So um, today, it's just about INTPs and how me as an INTP uh, can think about using this model for your own personal growth to sort of move forward and start to think about how you can um, consider emotional experiences a little bit better by using this model as well. So, you know, join me for this. This is going to be a good time. It's going to be really great. I'm really going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be fun. And I think we're going to have a good time. So I'm going to click the button and we're going to do the thing and we're going to do the dope with it. Bye. <laughs> Drums, Hello, friends. C Note here. Happy that you're here. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're surviving the winter. That is forever long. I don't know what part of the country or the world you're in, but here in Rochester, New York, it is an endless winter, and I am sick of it. <laughs> it is really cold. It's supposed to warm up in the next few days, at least a little bit, so that'll be nice, and we'll see how it goes. Um, today on the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about DIKW. It is Data Information Knowledge and Wisdom and essentially share what uh, this model is and what it means and how typically an INTP can develop using this model, right? So this model is something that is really interesting to utilize for your own personal development. And I may do an episode specifically dedicated to DIKW in a general context because any I think any personality type could use this for their personal growth. Um, and to sort of, um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of learning and anything to that effect. So, um, let me just pull up sort of the Wikipedia description here, just so I can kind of go through the sort of brief formal description and, uh, 
then we can kind of talk about how it relates to Myers-Briggs and INTP and all of that stuff. So the DAKW pyramid, also known uh, variously as the DAKW hierarchy, wisdom hierarchy, knowledge hierarchy, information hierarchy, and the data pyramid, refers loosely to a class of models for representing purported structural and or functional relationships between data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. Typically, information is defined in terms of data, knowledge in terms of information, and wisdom in terms of knowledge. Uh, not all versions of the DIKW model <laughs> reference all four components, earlier versions not including data, later versions omitting or downplaying wisdom. Um, and some include additional components. In addition to a hierarchy and a pyramid, the DIKW model has been characterized as a chain, as a framework, as a series of graphs, and as a continuum. Um, the D Danny P. Wallace, a professor of library and information science, explained that the origin of the DIKW pyramid is uncertain. The presentation of the relationships among data, information, knowledge, and sometimes wisdom in a hierarchy or hierarchical arrangement has been part of the language of information science for many years. Although it is uncertain when and by whom these those relationships were first presented, the ubiquity of the notion of a hierarchy is embedded in the use of the acronym DIKW as a shorthand representation for data to information to knowledge to wisdom transformation. So yeah, the, I mean, there is uh, the, the origin of it is unknown. It says here in 1955, the English American economist and educator Kenneth Boulding presented a variation on the hierarchy consisting of signals, messages, information, and knowledge. Um, However, the first author to distinguish amongst data information and knowledge and also to employ the term knowledge management may have been American educator Nicholas L. Henry in a 1974 journal article. So what this tells me is that this is up for grabs. <laughs> so I'm going to play with it and have, some good, have a good time. Um, <laughs> um, but essentially the, the idea here, and I want to do a lot more research um, before I do a dedicated episode on this. Um, <clears throat> The reason that I want to relate to INTPs here, and if you're not an INTP, this is still going to be something that's interesting for you to at least be introduced to this model, because again, it's not exclusive to INTPs, but an INTP is going to be someone that's very focused, or really the IPs, like ISTPs can probably benefit from this too. Um, uh, INTPs are someone are, are types of people that are very data focused and tend to, you know, revert away from emotions. So using a data model to understand your emotional development or your personal development in any kind of way is going to be very powerful for you to utilize as you go forward. So I think in the first half of this half of this episode, as I've used four minutes already, um, I'd like to describe quickly a little bit of what an INTP is. If you're not familiar with an INTP in the Myers-Briggs system, um, INTPs stand for in, uh, introverted, intuitive thinking and perceiving type. Those are that is the four-letter code for that type. There are 16 types available, and if you don't know your type, you can go to 16 Personalities or go to uh, Personality Hacker. There are a bunch of other websites. There's also an official Myers-Briggs test. Um, I think it's like myersbriggs.org or something like that. You can take one of those official tests. Um, 16 personalities is, you know, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty about the validity of it, but I think it's it's good enough to at least get you curious and get you started. Um, so after you take that test and you figure out your type, you can go to my free course to understand the depths of Myers-Briggs and what it actually means and how you can use it at bit.ly slash MBTI breakdown. That is capital M, capital B, capital T, capital I, capital B breakdown. <laughs> MPTI breakdown. Um, 
or dopamine.teachable.com and you can find it there. So I have a full audio course and that's a way that uh, you can kind of go through and learn about Myers-Briggs and the dichotomies and the letters and the four-letter code and all that stuff. So INTP is one of those four-letter codes. And the four-letter code is essentially meant to describe cognitive functions. It's a way for you to differentiate what your cognitive functions are. So each of us have eight cognitive functions, and four of those are what we primarily focus on in our personality. We have a subconscious preference for those four cognitive functions. And mostly we are focused on the top two, but then the other two are pretty conscious in our life as well and kind of happen um, as we're going through life. The other four inferior eight functions, the some people call them shadow functions, um, they are so, so unconscious that they do not play a role in your life at all, typically. Very little does it play a part? Uh, there are people out there who talk about shadow functions. I don't think it's worth talking about, honestly. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it, it creates a crutch for people to not fully understand their cognitive functions. So, so we're just going to focus on the top four. The top four for an INTP are introverted thinking, extroverted intuition, introverted sensing, and extroverted feeling. Their dominant, which is introverted thinking, is all about rational data and their own subjective rational experience. Um, rationalizing everything that they they come in contact with, they're constantly making decisions, making data judgments, trying to remove bias, uh, bias as much as possible, even their own. Um, but uh, being a human being comes with inherent bias and becomes a really tricky uh, situation. So um, that's why the other functions exist, because introverted thinking, otherwise known as TI, also uh, can on its own create too much of a rigidity, which is why these other functions are important. So TI accounts for probably 80% of the INTP's experience. So if you think about it as like 16 waking hours in a day, it's probably like 10 to 12 hours of your day that you're going to be really focused on being in this introverted thinking mode. Um, the secondary function is extroverted intuition. And it's an extroverted function. So when an INTP is out in the world and enjoying life, they are typically uh, doing it in a playful fashion so that they can try and experience and get all the sorts of data to bring into their introverted world, kind of like a squirrel trying to gather information. Um, and we tend to go out and like poke at things and play with things and try to collect data that way. Um, and, and sometimes that involves experimenting, you know, that T-I-N-E combination really is about experimentation and trying to figure out how the world works in that sense. Um, I don't know the percentage of how much extroverted intuition comes into play, but I know in my personal experience, it's like literally up to maybe three hours at most of the day. So really small percentage, probably like 10 to 15 percentage of the day um, feels like it's dedicated to extroverted intuition. Um, and, and, you know, many INTPs can feel that pull. So want to go out and play and like do improv or like do something goofy, right? And just kind of let go. So that, that kind of accounts for that part of their personality. Um, the tertiary function, which is going to be even lower in the consciousness, is called introverted sensing. And that is very much concerned with uh, safety and security routine and, you know, doing things that have been done before. <clears throat> and making an internal log of things that you've experienced before and uh, checking it and referencing it, essentially. And that introverted sensing is also responsible for like sort of following the rules and staying with a, a structure in a way. And uh, since it's tertiary, it's not something that they care about all that much. And it's something that <clears throat> is also 
Um, yeah, it's just like probably less than 5% of the day that you really care about that. And that typically falls into, you know, INTPs can kind of develop a bit of a morning routine or they can kind of wear the same clothes all the time. Um, something that's just kind of rigid and structured. And um, INTPs can get into what's called a cognitive loop where they can value their sense of safety and security more than they value their extroverted intuition. And um, it gets them into a bit of a spiral where they become a bit of a hermit and don't enjoy life so much. <laughs> and then <clears throat> extroverted feeling is the inferior function with uh, personality hacker describes it as having the sophistication of a three-year-old child. They, they describe the tertiary function as having its sophistication of a 10 year old child. So if you think of the, the inferior function as less than 5% of your personality um, per day, which is like accounts for maybe 30 minutes, you know, 30 minutes of exercise, essentially. Um, extroverted feeling is all about emotions and emotional experiences of, of yourself and other people, an emotional calibration, as it were. I think um, INTPs have, anyone who has extroverted feeling uh, has some semblance of a natural empath energy. Like they just naturally soak up the uh, the vibe of what's going on in the room or in the environment or people around them or people that they love and care about. And typically, since it's an inferior function, you know, an INTP will focus that energy into a very select few people, if not just one or two. Um, for me, it's literally just my partner and some other people in my life that I care about, but I usually show some love and support in passing. Like it's not something that I really care about all that much of taking time to like thank people and and show them some love. It's something that I just kind of literally take a, a collection of maybe a half an hour of day throughout, throughout the day to make sure I'm being polite and I'm showing some respect and I'm showing some love, um, hugging my friends and hugging, hugging my girlfriend and, you know, get, get a little bit of snuggle time, you know, that sort of thing. And it's something that, um, <clears throat> doesn't account for very much of our experience, but it is important. It's very important to make sure that that is something that is taken care of. And, um, something that we get because we, we want some love and affection as much as we want, uh, to be very data driven. We like having that, uh, support system of someone that really, really cares and loves and respects us. And we want to do the same for them. So <clears throat> that essentially describes the INTP in sort of like a quick reductive nutshell. I'm going to be doing a longer course in the future to sort of break down INTPs in much more depth and detail. So be on the lookout for that in the future. But I thought it was important to break down who the INTP is first so that when I talk about the DIKW after the break model, um, I'm going to reference some of the things in the INTP experience in order to help an INTP or an ISTP be able to grow uh, using this model. And then again, in the future, I'm going to come back and do an episode dedicated specifically to DIKW when I do a little bit more research on the um, on what's been you know talked about with that model in the future or in, yeah before. And then talk about it in the future, right? <laughs> so um, let me take a break, take a swig of, swig of water, and then um, let's talk about DIKW and how INTPs can utilize it. All right, so INTPs and the DA, DIKW, it's not the, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue, does it? <laughs> so DIKW, Data Information Knowledge and Wisdom. So to kind of briefly describe what data information, knowledge, and wisdom really is, um, to the best kind of quickest way that I can think of describing it is think of language. And if you think of data 
as the bits and pieces, the ones and zeros of language, that would mean that would be the alphabet, right? So the alphabet would be the data in this scenario. And then information would be words, what the data creates. So the data together creates words. Um, so the language that the words, the words don't necessarily have any sentences yet. That would be essentially what knowledge is. Knowledge is the creation of sentences and paragraphs and stories and um, the experience of doing something with those words. And then wisdom would be the mastery of that language and being able to adapt that language to complex ideas and being able to explain it, to explain complex ideas to anyone um, based on your knowledge of that language, right? So being adaptable contextually is, is, is typically what wisdom represents. And this directly correlates to the, or at least I feel it directly correlates to the growth path for a lot of INTPs, where as you're getting older, you're experiencing more breadth and using the data that you've culminated in your life to expand your understanding and experience of life. So, you know, the TI, that introverted thinking that is the dominant in INTPs, are is typically something that... Um, is very data focused. It's very focused on ones and zeros, the bits, the pieces, the language, the code, the alphabet, the, the you know, the atoms, you know, the, all of the little details that make up things. Like if I could see all of the atoms in the universe, I feel like that's what I would, that that's what I would want to experience. I feel like ever since I was a kid, I've ex- described my perspective of the universe as thinking of it not as a universal whole, but a collection of. Uh, quadrillions of atoms and all of these little bits and pieces together creating this amazing thing. Like, you know, the fact that we are a collection of atoms and able to be a moving organism is pretty incredible. And I think about the nuance and detail of those things all the time. And I think that's what data essentially is. So data is your ability to discern those little bits and pieces, the details in life. I think data uh, or, um, I think INTPs are really good at discerning that, you know, because we're very investigative. So we're very good at breaking those things apart and seeing the patterns in that, right? And the information piece, the next part, as we go from data to information, is being able to to match that data to the experience of what is actually out there, what actually exists, what is predetermined, what is what are some things that we are actually experiencing in the world? And this could be correlated to maybe introverted sensing and um, a little bit of extroverted intuition where we are actually going out and experiencing some things. But um, <clears throat> that translation from data to information can sometimes be a little bit tricky as um, INTPs, get we get really caught up in the data part of it. So from taking data and things that we've investigated and actually creating a concrete thought or or idea around it and moving away from the theory phase because theory feels so good for us that being able to move into something that's concrete and scientifically tested uh, in one way or another is can be a challenge it's it's basically translated into like doing something with it right so doing something with your something you're really excited about and um, making it into a thing that can be really hard for an intp because we're just so in love with the theory phase and the data collection and the research phase of things right but the information part of it is actually creating something with that data that is, you know, um, 
instead of learning how to just it's instead of having collections of fabric you're learning how to make pillows out of it right or doing something with it and um starting to give back to the world in some way and creating information out of the data that you've collected so actually starting to do things is a good use uh, of an introverted uh an intp's t- energy and time because an intp is also very we're very much doers in the sense that we are very excited about some of the projects that we love that we're really excited about so for us to you know to to move it from that data phase to the information phase is very, very satisfying for us. And that's something that we need to continue to practice regularly um, for our growth. And then taking some of those ideas from whenever you're, you've started to establish uh, a theory, essentially, or you've established some sort of, some, some sort of law or some, something that is um, that you feel is a concrete idea. You can start to again, start to test it against the world. And that's where the knowledge piece comes into play. You can think of the transition from information to knowledge as the 10,000 hours that you put into something or, you know, testing it against the experience of the world. This is really where extroverted intuition comes into play. And we're really developing that ability to go out into the world and experience things and really, um, enjoy yourself to the best of your ability. Right. And, um, you know, poking at things and testing things and coming up with theories and seeing how it plays out in the real world and doing that consistently over and over again. Right. And, um, you know, really just making sure that what it is that you're theorizing, you know, plays well in reality. You know, one of the things that I think of is like all of the research that I've done with Myers-Briggs doesn't really mean anything if I don't test it against the real world. If I don't look for these signs in the people that I know and that I've experienced in life. Like, otherwise it's just data on a page. It's just information. It's just stuff that's going through my brain. It doesn't actually mean anything because there's no tie to the outside world. If I get a chance to turn that information into knowledge, like, okay, now I know this. Now I know this for sure because I've personally experienced it. That is incredibly powerful for your development to continue to test and iterate on the things that you experience in life, right? So, um, and then from there, you know, taking that knowledge piece, when you feel like you really, really understand something and you get it, it's not just about understanding it for yourself. You now have to take that and start to apply it to different contexts over time. You know, the knowledge piece, when you're starting to understand and you're starting to learn things over time, it's, there's no set definitive time period. I mean, we talk about 10,000 hours, but that's not necessarily the case in this, in this case. It is a matter of just knowing something in and out that you, it starts to become wisdom to you by simply being able to start translating it to other people's experiences, Uh, you know, because knowledge is about you understanding it, but wisdom is about you being able to share that knowledge with other people. Wisdom is about learning how you can adapt your knowledge of this thing, of this idea to the context of what it is that you're you've learned that you've experienced that you've been a part of your entire life. One of those things for me is graphic design. You know, I've been a graphic designer since I was 14 years old. And I've been doing this for a very long time. And uh, I can definitely, I definitely feel like with many things I'm in the wisdom phase that I can give all sorts of sage advice <laughs> about how to navigate clients and how to, um, how to make certain choices when it comes to layout and, um, you know, color, color choices and all that stuff. Right. So 
what is really important for me to be able to have that wisdom is to be able to translate it to different situations, you know, and different age groups, different people, different levels of education that if I only was able to regurgitate knowledge to someone who is specifically 26 year old, 26 years old in a as a sophomore in college and taking a, you know, a life drawing class, like it's a very specific piece of knowledge <laughs> that I'd be able to share with that specific person. Um, but wisdom means being able to translate it to that person and then someone else who is living a completely different experience and doing a completely different thing and um, being able to just adapt to the needs of the scenario, right? And uh, that could equate to the extroverted feeling growth that kind of needs to happen with the dichotomy between introverted thinking and extroverted feeling. You know, being cold and data-driven and, uh, and logical-focused, you know, negates the emotional data of experience. You know, emotions are data. Emotions are important. Emotions are incredible um, pieces of information to take into account when you are navigating life and experiencing things for yourself. And without taking that into account, you're missing so, so much. So, you know, wisdom is being able to take that information that you're gathering throughout the world, throughout your life, that you're rationalizing in your brain, and being able to adapt it to the needs of a person. That means maybe changing your language to not be so harsh. That means that means considering that someone may not be ready to hear what you're wanting to tell them. You know, sometimes that might mean that you need to reframe or redress the way that you're approaching something because it's not getting to them in a way that you would like it to just get to them, right? You would like to just be very direct and frank and clear about it. But because it's not the way that they are wired to understand it, you know, you have to adapt to if you want that information to actually be presented wholly and fully to that person, then you need to adapt to be able to help them. And that's where really where that extroverted feeling comes into play. And really weaving that into your life and weaving that into your introverted thinking is incredibly powerful to start to learn how to be a little bit more um, charming and lovely and, and a wonderful person that is not just trying to be uh, cold and corrective and mean, right? You can be warm and loving, but still be correct <laughs> and still be um, helpful, you know? And I think that's that's a massive part of the INTP growth is learning how to take that information and translate it into something that is actually useful and helpful to the world, right? Otherwise, it's just for you, and that's pretty greedy and selfish, you know? So if you can find that way to navigate through the DIKW model, regardless of what your situation is, if you're a graphic designer, if you're a pillow maker, if you're someone that is um, an analyzer of some kind, um, if you are a software engineer, you know, whatever the case may be, or you're having trouble in like relationships, you know, uh, so especially using the DIKW model to understand emotional experiences, you know, and understanding and creating, you know, data sets to what emotions are, and then tying that to information and, and expanding upon that and tying it to specific emotions, and then taking those specific emotions and, uh, and starting to learn how that applies to your partner or to a specific person, and then starting to learn how that set of emotions or those that series of that string of events can help you understand that emotional experience in other people, 
and be able to expand that as you grow and go go forward. So hopefully that all made sense. Um, I don't think it came out as clear as I was thinking about this morning, <laughs> but but I think it's still pretty good. Um, so hopefully it makes sense to you as something that you can use as an INTP or an ISTP, mostly an INTP, to help yourself grow as a person. You know, there was fairly, this was fairly uh, intuitive language, so hopefully it, you were able to follow along here. Um, but in the future, I want to do an episode um, about the DIKW model in particular and, um, you know, break that down for future consumption. So that'll be it. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up because I got to go do things and um, catch you on the flip side. Uh, go check out dopamine.teachable.com if you want to check out the Myers-Briggs course. And um, really, it's a program to help you understand what Myers-Briggs actually is and how you can use it. And uh, it's a free course, by the way. And it's something that you can, it's a free audio course and it explains the dichotomies between introversion and extroversion, thinking versus feeling, intuitive versus sensing, judging versus perceiving, and uh, what the four-letter code really means and you know how, how that defines other people and how you can better understand yourself and other people in your life. So I think it's pretty important. And if it's something you want to dive into, dopamine.teachable.com. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Let's Go C Notes on all the social channels, or you can hit me up at, at uh, uh, cnotes.media. That's where all of my personal uh, media courses, and you can find my graphic design work and all that stuff there as well. So I've been doing a lot of talking. It's time to wrap up, and I'm going to get out of here because i got things to do. All right, so thanks for being here. I appreciate you guys. And I'll catch you next time on The Dopamines. See ya. Bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.